0: Good morning. good morning. Hard to believe it is the 23rd of December, 2021. Uh, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. If this is the very first time you're joining us, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We uh, love getting together each and every morning for a couple of hours and bring the mind of Christ to bear on the headline news of the day. Encourage one another as fellow believers in the faith. And if you're not uh, a believer in Jesus, then um, you know certainly my hope is that as you're listening to us converse as you're listening to us bring the Christian worldview to bear on the headline news of the day and things that are going on, um, that you say to yourself, hmm, now that's an interesting perspective. I I wonder, I wonder if, um, if I know a Christian, I wonder if there's a Christian who could explain some of these things to me that I am hearing Carmen talk about on the radio. We have uh, tons of resources available for you at myfaithradio.com. Um, resources available for you if you are not sure who Jesus is and want to know more. And if you're a believer who needs to be equipped to actually walk your faith out into the world that God so loves and do so in ways that honor Jesus, like that's what we're all about. And we'd love to share with you um, the resources that we're posting each and every day at MyFaithRadio.com. Right now, if you go there, you can finish up with us the through the reading through the Bible in the Gospel of Luke. It is the 23rd of December. So my answer to the where in the word question of the day uh, is Luke 23. And many of you are going to say, wow, that is quite a chapter to be reading on Christmas Eve Eve. Yes, it is. It keeps us very mindful of who Jesus is and why he came. Also invite you to join us at Faith Radio in reading through the Bible in 2022. We have a a Bible reading plan we're going to follow And so if you'd like to join us in that, I mean, trust me, if you don't make a plan to actually read through the Bible in 2022, it's not just going to happen. So let me encourage you to uh, join us in the Bible reading plan. You can find that at myfaithradio.com as well. All right. A headline that caught my attention um, (laughs) yesterday and so still has my attention this morning. Is that the Biden administration has announced that the moratorium on federal student loan payments uh, is actually going to be extended through May the 1st. So, this you probably only are aware of this if you have or know someone who has unpaid federal student loan debt. And so, although that's a lot of people, it's not everybody. And so, this story directly affects people who have federal student loans outstanding. Um, and there are progressives who have argued that the president can unilaterally unilaterally just write those off, cancel them. In fact, completely cancel those debts. Um, the president has been reluctant to uh, cancel all the debt. He's been reluctant to do what progressives have asked, which is we'll just write off fifty grand of debt per borrower. And he said, well, no, not fifty, but maybe ten. Which leads me saying, um, now wait a minute. If you think you can write off 10 grand of debt per borrower, then why not 50 grand of debt per borrower? And if you think you can write off 10 or 50 grand of debt per borrower, why aren't you just writing off everyone's debt? If you think that you possess the authority to write off people's debt and make it go away as if they don't owe what they owe, um, then you should do it. But if you don't have the authority, then stop acting like and leading people on to believe that you do. There is one, there is one, his name is Jesus, who actually possesses the authority to offer up payment for the debt we owe. Now, obviously, I have moved here from the financial to the spiritual, but the Bible offers us this this truth claim that Jesus is the ransom, like the ransom. He pays the debt that we could not pay. Um, and so that's a, an opportunity for us to bring Jesus into the conversations of the day. Um, people understand the concept of debt, credit card debt, mortgage debt. They understand all kinds of debt. They don't understand um, the debt of grace, the, the debt of gratitude that we owe for the grace offered to us in Jesus Christ. And many of them don't understand the debt. That Jesus paid for our sins. All right, Ben Johnson is up next. He's a media reporter. Uh, You can find him at dailywire.com. He and I are going to talk about some of the headlines of the day, including all of the trouble that one Harvard professor is in for, well, lying and cheating and stealing. Yes, all kinds of naughtiness. definitely on Santa's naughty list. We'll be right back.
2: Is my right, right given by God to
1: live a free life? To live in
0: freedom. Pretty confident Ben Johnson is on Santa's nice list. He's definitely on my nice list. He's a media reporter for Daily Wire. You can find him at dailywire.com. Ben, let's talk about a guy on the naughty list, Harvard professor Charles Lieber. What is going on there?
2: Well, he's in a lot of trouble, definitely getting coal in the stocking this year, if that's still okay with uh, global warming standards. You know, Charles Lieber (laughs) is a uh, professor. (laughs) Thank you. Every once in a while, I get one in, uh, fly under the radar, but uh, Charles Lieber, Charles Lieber is a professor at Harvard University and uh, soon to be on his way to another federal institution because he lied to investigators and he lied to the IRS. Lieber was the head at one point of uh, the chemistry department and the biological chemistry department at Harvard University, but he was also on the take from the Chinese government through something called their Thousand Talents Program. This is a major international program that pays scientists and university professors and people who are well-situated in uh, sensitive industries with a lot of technical know-how to um, to engage with the Chinese government. Now, I, I can't make allegations uh, that uh, go beyond what the FBI have said. The FBI, in this case, did not bust him for espionage. Uh, they did say that he did he did not disclose the fact that he was being paid $50,000 a month by the Chinese government and that he lied to federal authorities about where the money was coming from. And uh, when you get into the de- the details of it, it's very clear. They videotaped uh, a 2018 interview with him and then they went back after that found out that the money was coming from Beijing. They sat him down and made him watch that and he admits uh, in the presence of FBI agents, "Yes, I was I was dissembling about this." And he says so in a very frank way. Uh so he was he was very honest about the fact that he was lying about where the money came from. Now the trouble with this, of course, is that the Chinese government uses programs like the Ten Thousand Talents Program in order to attract scientists who are in incredibly who have access to incredibly sensitive information, and they then take that information, whether it's uh, in the defense industry or whether it's a dual use where it could have a commercial plus a defense use or in many cases, it's simple industrial espionage where they steal American know-how and then put it to use uh, through newly minted Chinese companies to compete with American companies. Uh, We've seen this. General Electric has complained about this. Eastman Company has complained about this. Uh, There have been numerous investigations, uh, and uh, there have been numerous professors as well. Uh, Emory University had a professor come forward. There was one who had burrowed into the NASA department, uh, who had similar charges about lying to investigators, and another one at, at my own uh, home state of uh, Ohio at Ohio State University. All of them have been essentially indicted under this uh, investigation that was uh, launched and uh, very much uh, a top priority of uh, the Justice Department during the last administration. I'm glad to see that it is continuing into this administration. So this is, this is a form of soft power espionage that is paying tens of thousands of dollars to this individual professor, let alone to the many uh, hundreds and thousands of professors around the country who, and around the world who fall into this that we don't know anything about.
0: So while we're on the topic of, um, of China, I noted this morning um, an AP News story that a monument at a Hong Kong university that was the best known public remembrance of the Tiananmen Square massacre um, was removed early today, wiping out the city's last place of public commemoration of the 1989 um, Tiananmen Square massacre. And I just thought, um, Ben, that, you know, I mean, I know this is a, a topic close to your heart, and I didn't think that you and I could talk today without making note of the fact that in Hong Kong, where people should have the freedom of this kind of expression, Uh, the Chinese government has now removed the last monument for the Tiananmen um, Square freedom fighters. Uh, And I just, you know, if we didn't think that China was up to literally no good, this should be evidence of it.
2: It's heartbreaking to see this, you know, in uh, many U.S. textbooks and, and so on. Tiananmen Square has faded; it's receded from memory. So has, uh, for that matter, the Great Leap Forward, the Cultural Revolution, that claimed tens of millions of lives in the 1960s, uh, with uh, under Mao Zedong. tongue. So all of that has been eradicated. Most of the uh, most of the crimes of the communist regimes throughout history have simply been erased from U.S. textbooks or never put in in the first place. So uh, thankfully, the Victims of Communism Memorial Foundation does a lot of good in this case, keeping alive the memories of crimes all over the world, from Cuba and sub-Saharan Africa into China and uh, Eurasia and throughout all of uh, the realm. Wherever communism planted its flag, human rights abuses uh, ensued. And... That's still true to this day in the few remaining totalitarian countries in the world, including China. So, uh, you know, and there's very little criticism in part because of China's soft power. Uh, We talked about the the Thousand Talents program. They also set up Confucius Institutes on U.S. uh, universities where they pay American students to go abroad, study in China, and they often keep them on the payroll formally uh, in various ways through grants and subsidies. But when they come back to America then... They're constrained about speaking out because they have this financial tie and obligation to Beijing, which is, of course, controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. So they don't speak out about what's happening there. And there are hundreds of Confucius Institutes uh, all over the country and uh, and 525 around the world, millions upon millions of dollars at stake here. And then... Uh, Many times the uh, the Chinese students who come to this country are also uh, spies. We've talked about the National Security Law which uh, is part of the reason that so many people in Hong Kong can't speak out because they've been co-opted. Article 7 of that law says, and I quote, that every every citizen has quote the obligation of Chinese citizens to support national intelligence work, which is to mm-hmm. say essentially that uh, any any student who comes to the United States can be deputized as a spy. And uh, any any foreign Chinese national around the world can be deputized as a spy, and if you don't comply, of course, they can make make, them make life uh, untenable for your your uh, relatives back home, and uh, often for you even in your foreign country. So. This is, this is Chinese power gone awry. It's not recognized. And this is the greatest human rights struggle that we face in the world today, that one, one major contender who very well may eclipse us as the global superpower within our lifetimes has no respect for their own citizens' human rights, much less for those uh, where their tentacles are extending.
0: All right. When we come back from a very brief break, I am going to ask Ben Johnson, what is going on um, in Ohio. Uh, David Bramley is one of Ben's neighbors. Well, he's he lives in the same state. And um, he saw a bridge, a footbridge, um, 58-foot-long footbridge. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful footbridge. And he thought to himself, you know, that's I realize that that's sitting over there in this park, but I would like to have it. And so he rented a crane and he hauled it away to his own property. We're going to talk with uh, Ben about another person on the relative naughty list and, um, just what's going on in Ohio, because this is a very unusual kind of smash and grab. We'll be right back.
2: All
0: right. We're continuing our conversation with Ben Johnson. You can find what he's writing at dailywire.com. Ben, this caught my attention and I thought to myself, here's an opportunity to talk to Ben about what's going on in his neighborhood. Um, And or at least in his state. And to to be able to, you know, at least make a point about just the absolute. Place we've arrived where people don't seem to know what is legal or illegal, what is right and wrong. Um, This man went to great lengths to steal a bridge.
2: Yes, an entire bridge, a 58 foot (laughs) long bridge. Uh, you know, we, we've heard about smashing grabs, it doesn't usually involve infrastructure. And uh, that's what we're dealing with here in uh, the Akron area over in uh, northeastern Ohio. Uh, a man saw a 58-foot bridge it crossed the, uh, the the Little Cuyahoga River, he ended up renting a crane, ripping it up, taking it to his property, partially dismantling it. Uh, it caught the attention of his neighbors and he's, he's been reported for it. But it gives you an idea just how little respect there is for things like p- private property, public property. You know, we've we've gone a long way to establishing that uh, public property uh, can be treated however you like. It can be dismantled. It can be ripped down. It can be vandalized with uh, no uh, repercussions whatsoever. And so he's he's decided that uh, he saw something rather than destroy it. He wanted it. And so he stole it. Uh, We I'm glad to say that he's being prosecuted. And this is a case where we're still recognizing in the state of Ohio thou shalt not steal. But um, uh, hopefully this doesn't reflect on Ohio too much more than uh, the simple national uh, pattern of people disrespecting and disregarding the property of others.
0: So on the topic of the intersection of personal freedom and vaccine mandates and employment, um, I saw this media headline in The Washington Post, and I thought, I bet Dan, I bet uh, Ben has given some thought to this Dan ben- Bongino story. So back in October, Dan Bongino um, threatened to quit his very popular um, radio show on Cumulus uh, over the vaccine mandate. Cumulus requires their employees to be vaccinated, and he said in October, you can have me or you can have the mandate, but you can't have both. Um, I am noting that it is the 23rd of December, and he's still on three hours every
2: day. Yeah, and a lot of people have asked him about this. You know, uh, right when Rush Limbaugh passed away, a couple of people moved forward to try and fill the gap. And, of course, Rush Limbaugh is one of a kind, so no one can can necessarily fill those, foot sh- those, uh, those shoes. But uh, there are three people who—three shows that have more or less contended for this. Four people, Clay Travis and Buck Sexton, Dana Lash, and Dan Bongino. And of the three— Really, I think Bongino is best positioned uh, to, uh, to take over that market. And he's been incredibly successful, as you mentioned. Of course, he also has unfiltered on Fox TV on Saturday nights. So he's a very popular, well-exposed uh, individual. And he thought that he had a lot more leverage with this massive uh, corporation uh, maybe than he, he ended up having. Now, the Washington Post asked him about this. They said, what's, what's happening? You said you were going to quit in October. He did take a week and a half off. Uh, right after, essentially, he went national. And uh, so it was an incredibly awkward situation for, for his employer where people are tuning in to hear this new program and they're they're already hearing best ofs uh, at a time when people are usually not recording uh, best of shows. So uh, ultimately, it looks like he's trying to work out a negotiation for the employees who work for his program and perhaps for some others there. Uh, certain accommodations, but it it looks as though Cumulus has stuck to its guns, and here's a case where a well-exposed uh, multinational or national corporation, uh, with uh, you know millions upon millions of dollars in revenue, 415 stations, has simply held and stuck to its guns, and it looks like Dan Bongino is doing what he can do for his people, but uh, the the corporation has won out through a, its simple um, the amount of power. The amount of financial heft that it uh, brings to the table, so it looks like he is. He tried to uh, he, he tried to make a promise here. He tried to make uh, a threat, and it looks like uh, in this particular case, he simply couldn't follow through with it uh, without losing his platform and costing a lot of people their jobs.
0: Um, I noticed that um, that Fox has also tightened its vaccine rule for its employees, removing a test out option. Um, for New York City office workers, requiring everyone uh, be vaccinated, and I, I just think that it, it, those employers who um, have allowed their sort of frontline personalities to say certain things and take certain positions are now going to be hard pressed to um, uphold their own rules related to those individuals um, in terms of their employment. Like it's a, um, it's a, it's definitely a challenge. I also note that the Supreme Court is going to get together in a couple of weeks to very specifically look at um, the president's vaccine mandates.
2: Uh yeah, and and Daily Wire has something to do with that of course, uh having having brought the lawsuit mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to the uh, the large uh, private employer mandates. Uh when when you mention Fox News of course, that in large part is because of where they're located, their headquarters as you mentioned is New York City and Mayor Bill de Blasio on his uh, very much a lame duck, he's already lost uh this, but he gets a few uh, extra days because Eric Adams is postponing his uh, inauguration but uh, you know nonetheless he, he has a few extra days and he has enacted uh, some vast vaccine mandates that are some of the tightest in the country uh, fox news has decided to comply with this particular uh, order and that's that's going to make it difficult as you say that's certainly going to come up when this when this topic comes up but uh, really what's concerning to me in new york state and in other places and this emanates from uh, all the way from uh, the governor Uh, is that there is no consideration for religious exemptions to these vaccine mandates. Uh, In many cases in uh, states around the country, and I believe New York State is one of them, there is no religious exemption whatever written in. Uh, And that's a matter that should concern all of us, whether we have that religious concern or not. Uh, There are a lot of pro-life people who are concerned about the way these vaccines were developed, particularly AstraZeneca, which is not uh, pretty much, uh, it's more or less uh, confined to Europe, It's not uh, very popular in this country. It's mostly J&J, Moderna, and Pfizer in this country. But all of them were tested on uh, cells that were derived from uh, aborted fetal tissue. So it's a concern for some people. Some people say it's an absolute deal-breaker, even though they have no problem with the vaccine itself. And uh, so those who have that kind of religious exemption should be able to live according to their conscience and according to what's being handed down. They can't, in part, because the governor of New York, Kathy Hochul, has said that uh, vaccination is the same as spreading the love of Christ. Uh, We should be very clear, particularly those of us who are in religious radio this time of year, the love of Christ doesn't have to do with warm feelings. It doesn't have to do with giving to the poor. It doesn't have to do with getting vaccinated. Uh, All those things may or may not flow from your faith in Christ, but what is particularly important is the fact that we have a relationship with a newborn son of God who is born into this world so that the world would be redeemed through his joining together mankind and uh, the divine nature, sacrificing himself on the cross and raising everyone who believes in him from the dead. That's what Christmas is all about.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Kathy um, Hochul and the things that she chooses to say about Christians, Christianity, and in church, um, yeah, that's going to definitely be a story. Um, a story to watch. We appreciate the way that you watch uh, for us out there every day. Ben Johnson, as always, thank you so much. We look forward to getting back together with you in the new year.
2: And to you as well.
0: Actually, for you, it's still going to be pre-Christmas when we get back together, possibly, right? Because don't you celebrate Christmas later than I do?
2: Um, many Orthodox churches around the world do. That's right. So yeah, uh, no, we're going to talk I, about I follow... Orthodox
0: Christmas the next time Ben Johnson's on. We're going to talk about Orthodox Christmas. How's that sound?
2: Ooh, exciting. I love that plan.
0: All right, all right. That's 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 the next time Ben's on. This time, thank you so much, and Merry Christmas, my friend.
2: And as we say in the Eastern Church, Christ is born. Glorify Him.
0: Amen. We'll be right back. What are you having for dessert in celebration of the birth of Jesus? Like, when you say it that way, doesn't it seem like we should be having birthday cake? Like, when you say, what, what's the dessert that you're going to use to celebrate the birth of Jesus? Doesn't, like, birthday cake pop to mind? Well, it did for my mom, so the tradition in my family growing up, and still my mom's tradition today, is to serve red velvet cake with white uh, cream cheese icing so that she gets the red and the white. We get to talk about the blood of Christ. We get to talk about um, him being a covering for us that makes us white as snow. Um, and we get to sing happy birthday to Jesus. There's lots of people who have other kinds of treats um, to celebrate the birth of Jesus. I wonder what sweet treats you use to celebrate. You can text me at 877 2484 To talk with us about sweet treats and all kinds of wonderful holiday yummies, we're going to have Tara Royer-Steele up next. She's the author of Eat Pie, Love. She is also um, the woman who is baking pies today at Royer's Pie Haven in Brenham, Texas. We'll be right
2: back. Today we celebrate the birth of the Prince of Peace, but in homes with teenagers, Christmas is sometimes anything but peaceful. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. Even with the extra stress and pressure that comes along with the holiday season, Christmas can still be a perfect time for family fun. Try baking some Christmas cookies or decorating the gingerbread house. Even if dad's elaborate construction falls apart or mom ends up with frosting on her nose, you'll still create a fun, safe, and inviting environment that your kids will actually want to be in. This Christmas, let your kids know just how goofy you can really be. Blessings, my friend. May your home be filled with an extra measure of peace, laughter, joy, and love. Looking for more parenting wisdom? Go online to parentingtodaysteens.org or search for Parenting Today's Teens in your favorite app store. Shoe fly,
1: pie,
0: and apple pie, And Dottie makes your eyes light up. Your tummy say howdy. Shoot, fly, pie. Tara Royer-Steele is back. She's the author of Eat, Pie, Love. She is also the Head chef and probably bottle washer if they wash bottles at Royer's Pie Haven in Brenham, Texas. You can find her and connections to everything she's doing at com. Tara, welcome back. Hey, hi. Thank you. So I did a quick survey um, uh, of folks just prior to your joining us about what delicious tasty treats they are having at Christmas like what's the tradition in their family I shared that in my family um, we have red velvet cake with white icing and sing uh, happy birthday to Jesus Jennifer has shared with us that it's the only time of year once a year they make a yule log and they have plum pudding with hard sauce which sounds dangerous Um, uh, and says um, Norwegian crumb cake which I then googled it's basically like a waffle cookie um, that is filled with whipped cream and topped with cloudberries. So, so far, no votes for pie. But my guess is you're here to testify that a lot of people have pie for Christmas.
1: Oh, a lot of people have pie for Christmas because a lot of <laughs> baking a lot of
0: pies. <laughs> so talk to about that.
1: Earlier, and I was like, I quit counting. I don't care. It's
0: fine. Right. You quit counting. You guys are open today. I checked the website. You're going to be open today, 10 to 5. Um, Are there pies in the oven right now And if so what kind
1: Well there's probably not pies in the oven Right this very moment Um, But I do know that today We're making sweet and salty Which is everyone's favorite It's like a dense fudgy brownie With caramel and sea salt And Mm. apple And blueberry lemon And I'm pretty sure we have We need to make some Texas trash Which is pretzels, chocolate chips, caramel, coconut And graham crackers
0: Okay, now that sounds like it's like a mix in a bag that I pour into a bowl and people just eat.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like that. We um Mm -hmm. new one uh, recently. We added white chocolate chips to it and peanut butter. Oh, my gosh. Now that
0: is a good pie. (laughs) Oh, it's a pie. Yeah. It's still in a pie. It's still a pie. You could just eat, but let's put it in
1: a pie. I mean, we have to add some butter and some sweetened condensed milk to make it all stick together and be gooey, but yeah, so good.
0: Oh my goodness. That is so delicious. Okay. So you will appreciate that around Thanksgiving, my husband loves to bake pies. He's the pie maker in my family. And, um, he had promised a pie to my stepdad. Um, but they are like, you know, six and a half hours from where we live. And so, um, there was a lot of discussion about whether or not the blueberry pie that he was making like how we were going to transport it it was a big conversation and so dear listeners in Connecticut sent me this pie basket that's good for transporting pies so uh, i'm now i know i'm now totally prepared there there are historically in america these pie baskets did you even know that such a thing existed and if if so how many do you have
1: i i don't have any pie baskets <laughs>
0: right um, i'm picking them up are they they're are they woven it's like a woven basket and it's square oh. and it's deep and you huh? put one you put one pie on the bottom and then it has this little shelf with legs that you set over I, the bottom pie yeah. so that you can take a second pie that's awesome no we just have I, our own boxes and we're boring <laughs> no i'm just saying that i have learned so much um about the history of pie in America, because obviously the people in the Northeast, they were making baskets to haul pies around a long time ago.
1: I mean, pie has been around for a very long time.
0: I was going so to at- say, let's talk about that, because I feel like when I watch. Um, well, first of all, I would love your take on all of the baking shows that are on now. Like how many holiday baking championships can we have? And do we really need to know? that the British are doing it that much differently than the rest of us? Like, what's up with that?
1: I I would love to say I watch a lot of them, but I come home and go... To, these days, I'm like, well, is it 6.45? And why do I need to go to bed already? Um, I did watch the... I Between Thanksgiving and Christmas when we had, like, this four-day glorious time of absolutely nothing and stayed in a hotel, um, we might have had the british baking holiday that i don't know if it was the british one but it was the cookie thing
0: oh yeah um, yeah the yeah the cookie thing it's so fun
1: right it is um but then i was like those are great i should get in the kitchen and actually have fun and play but part of me is like i'll just watch the people do it instead
0: yeah. most of us but. just watch the people do it and then we come see somebody like you who has already made the beautiful things and we take them home and we we display them and some of us might act like we made them ourselves it's, it's I don't awesome.
1: care. I'm like, put it in the oven, pull it out, throw the box away. Just, you know, I'm like, just spell my name right on the check. I don't care. You can <laughs> see you made it, made it. It's fine with me.
0: I love that. We're going to continue our conversation with Tara Royer Steele in just a moment. Um, her book is fantastic. We've talked about it on a prior occasion. Eat, pie, love. It's 52 days of scripture passages and wonderful devotions, reflective questions, and yes, recipes. Recipes and great little illustrations. I have this one little devotional cookbook out in my kitchen all year round. It is um, it is the one cookbook that I have like adorning um, this little display shelf because it fits perfectly on my little um, stand there, and it brings me such good news of great joy all year long. So, Eat, Pie, Love is the book. Tara Royer-Steele is not only the author, she's also the proprietor of Royer's Pie Haven in Brenham, Texas. And we're going to continue our conversation in just a moment.
2: Go on, get some rhubarb pie. That's what it's all about. Rhubarb pie. Rhubarb pie. All
0: right. uh, For all of you texting in, yes, the Longaberger basket is exactly what people sent me. And it's so fun. And so thank you so much. People... People are so great. Um they're kind of excited about the desserts that they're having this time of year. Uh Rita has checked in. Rita um says they always have popcorn cake and cherry nut ice cream because those were her dad's favorite and Christmas Day was also his birthday.
1: What is popcorn cake and what is that hard sauce and that I want to okay. I need some of these things.
0: All right, Jennifer Eastman, you need to get back with us on the recipe for hard sauce. We don't know anything about that. And Rita, we're going to need the recipe um, for the popcorn cake. We need to know about that.
1: I really like cake more than pie. So I need to know this popcorn cake.
0: (laughs) It's crazy, right? All right. So um, yeah, people are so funny. They're like, you should really keep the pie basket on the down low because then there's going to be a run on the market for Pie mm-hmm. baskets. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I believe it. So um, in our family, um, my husband is seeking to perfect a, you know, a pie crust that is not made with traditional white flour. And so yeah. <clears throat> he likes to grind his own grain. He likes to, you know, he's trying all kinds of concoctions. What is the secret in your view? What is the secret to the perfect And when I say pie crust here, I will assume we're making a sweet pie. You know, we're making a berry pie of some kind. We're not making turkey uh, pot pie. Right, right. Um, Crisco. (laughs) See, there you go. It's Crisco. Does it still have to be cold? Like there's this whole thing about making sure your butter is really, really cold and you only use ice water and maybe you put your flour in the freezer. I mean, does any of this, if you use Crisco, does it matter?
1: We We don't do any of that. And our mm-hmm. pie's just Our crust is good. So, I mean, life's too short. <laughs> I think everyone worries about what making pie because this is the way grandma did it and it has to be this way. But then nobody does it because my Crisco or butter wasn't in the fridge or whatever. I'm like, it's okay.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so Crisco, um, pie, it's all savory I pies. I do see that on a recent edition of Talking in the Kitchen with Tara, because, uh, you know, I might have been looking at what you're doing, um, that do you want- talked about savory pies. I love the idea of a savory pie. Is a quiche a savory pie? And is is like turkey pot pie? That's obviously a savory pie. What other kinds of savory pies might I make?
1: Um, well, we have... um a chicken margarita, so that's mozzarella, basil, tomato, garlic, onions, oh. tomato. And, our, and to, what makes our savory pies different is our crust. We add um, a lot of herbs to it, so it really just takes
0: it to the next mm. level. It's really um, kind of like a pizza. It's a little bit like a pizza that doesn't have like a yeast dough. Yeah. I mean, essentially yeah. anything that you like that you could put on the top of a pizza, you theoretically could put in a pie.
1: I've done, we've done barbecue ones. We've done, we've Mm. done pizza. We've done, we have one that's like bacon, egg, cheddar, jalapeno. That one's really good. And yes, that is technically a quiche, but we still call it a pie.
0: Yeah. I feel like if I call it a pie, my husband's more likely to eat it. If I call it a quiche, she's like, yeah, I'm not eating that. It's just exactly the same thing. They're they're Mm. the same thing. (laughs) Okay. So here's, here's the question that I have for you as a person who is, going to work today and been working really hard during this season and has people um, who are working um, with you alongside you in this. Um, help us be really good guests today as we do our last minute shopping. As we, um, you know, as we go into local shops and um, and eateries, help us be really good guests today. Like, encourage people today in the way that you would like to be encouraged by the people who come to see you um, at the pie shop today?
1: Gosh, you make me cry just sitting here listening to that. Um, You know how people send you those longer burger baskets. Um, That's really how I feel that um, people um, see us and they, I mean, just simple things, uh, (laughs) not rushing being slow and um asking like thanking them for being there for them so that you know providing this service so so you don't have to do it um and that's great i'm super i'm glad we get to do these things right for you um you know if you're waiting on someone goodness give them give them be generous i'm just be generous um we had a bartender the other night at a party and I just, I, I, we couldn't help ourselves, but be like, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for you and just tipped him abundantly. And he's like, I, you know, they, most people are just flabbergasted because nobody's doing it. Right. Or it's just mm-hmm. nothing. Nobody, it, it's just very rare because I don't know about you, but it seems like, well, the world did not slow down. it sped up and. I feel like um, it's going so fast, we can't even communicate fast enough with our families to let them know what the heck's going on in the world, right? Mm -hmm. Um, At least that's the way I'm experiencing it with my husband. We're like, what's going on? And how how are you okay today? Even though we work right alongside each other, you know? So um, I just think words of affirmation are huge. And um, I don't know, even ask, like, how can I pray for you? Or just say, can I feed you right now? They're
0: gonna say yes. I, I, If they don't, well, send you a pie. <laughs> so um, we're gonna pray for you, and um, and as we pray for you, we are going to extend this prayer to other people for whom we're so appreciative for all the things that they're doing today, that they did yesterday, that they're gonna go, that they're gonna to do tomorrow. I'm thinking of Olivia, who came and cleaned my house while I was at the Nutcracker yesterday with my granddaughter. Um, I'm thinking of um, the person who is going to stay with my little Emma um, so that the rest of us can go to a worship service on Christmas Eve, because for her, that would be um, not a welcome experience as a person with autism. I'm thinking about the person who sent me a ham. Like, Mm -hmm. that's so great. Um, and yes, I am absolutely um going to be thinking about people just like you, Tara, who are making all of the wonderful things that make our traditions traditions, like the yeah so um so can we pray for you
1: Yes, please,
0: Father. I thank you so much for our sister, Tara. I thank you for her husband, I thank you for the pie haven. I thank you for all of the sweetness of her spirit. I thank you that she's fearfully and wonderfully made. I thank you that she is using her gifts, talents, resources and abilities to glorify you um, and that she's making um, you known to others um, through something so sweet. Thank you for the way in which she helps people taste and see that you are good. I ask you to bless her today. Um, I ask for an abundance of every spiritual resource that's gonna be necessary. Um, in her life today, in the hours that lie ahead, um, and that each um, each box that goes forth today um, from Royer's Pie Haven would be just absolutely bathed in your grace, that somehow those would be um, parcels of your grace sent out into the world that you so love, um, and that as families enjoy those pies, you would be glorified and honored um, and your son made known. Thank you for Tara. Bless her this day. Um, and thank you for the time we've had together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you. That's-
0: Absolutely. That's kind of- thank you so much for joining us today. Um, blessings, blessings upon you. We look forward to talking with you sometime in the new year. I know. I can't wait. I think we could talk oh. for hours. So fun. <laughs> I know. I'm gonna, I might have to come to Brenham and uh, put some ice cream on that pie.
1: Mhm. Yeah. Let's go. You guys
0: have tasty things down there. All right. Thank you. Bless you. Okay. Um Merry Christmas. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. We'll be right back. Jennifer's now going to be on a mission. She is going to get the uh, hard sauce recipe from Aunt Cindy. Uh, It belongs to her mom and her grandmother. That's where the recipe is going to come from. So there you go. We're going to have to wait on both the plum pudding and the hard sauce recipes. But there you go. Jennifer's going to report back. We look forward to it. All right. uh, That is the first hour of the Christmas Eve Eve edition of Mornings with Carmen. We're going to talk in the next hour about. Thanks for listening well, to this podcast and more of my favorite from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way, you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.